Karen Johnson has been around for quite a while, and I am pleased to say that for 40 years, her and her husband have been at Dalvary, Calvary Downey, sorry, Down, uh, Dalvary, that's a new one. Anyway, she's been there for 33 years with the House of Ruth, which is a ministry dealing with moms and babies and adoption and different things that are available, and it's been a, a blessed ministry. Also, she um, and her daughter came when we one year when we at Calvary San Diego had her speak, and that was a, a blessing, and her daughter sings, and so she got to sing with us. But um, she was reminding me tonight, oh yeah, that's the place, we went in a different place, it had a huge pool and a diving board, and she said, yes, I went off that high dive. So there's one thing I bet you didn't know about her. <laughs> she jumped anyway, she said. <laughs> She was probably scared to death and did that, but anyway, she was brave, all right, I wouldn't do it, so. (laughs) Anyway, we are blessed to have her to come and share, and we've got this great Psalm 103 that we're going to be pondering and learning and all of that tonight, starting tonight. So with attentive ears, uh, we want to welcome, and open hearts, we want to welcome Karen Johnson. Yeah, I remember that high dive, Cheryl, because uh, it was hot wherever we were at. It was a hot, was it summer? I don't know. It seemed like summer. It was very hot. My car overheated going up, and I was overheating, and my daughter Tara was with me, and we pull up, and here's this huge pool. And, you know, I'm, you know I, I love cold water. You know, heaven to me is I'm going to be a polar bear on an ice float. And uh, listen, I know, I have been having those hot flashes since I was 17. And uh, so fan away, my dear. And uh, so I see this huge pool of water and, and uh, you know, they were having some briefings or something, you know, as they have with the speakers. And I go, you know, Cheryl, I just really want to, Tara and I just want to go take a nap. And uh, we went down to the pool and went off that high dive. We, we jumped, but uh, that was fun. That was a great weekend, but... <clears throat> Anyway, thank you so much for inviting me. What a blessing to be here and uh, to be able to share this incredible Psalms, Psalms 103. And uh, the last time I was at Vista was probably 25 years ago, maybe longer, when we did the garden enclosed. Does anybody even remember that? Maybe we weren't even born. Um, but uh, my daughters and I, Thank you for a few of you. And um, we did purity seminars. And uh, my daughters were speakers at that. Uh, and we did one at Vista. And what a great time, girls, that were making commitment to purity. And, uh, you know, many years later, so many women would come up and um, they would hand me those ribbons and said, you know, I did it. I was able to make it till I got married. And they would hand me those ribbons that were so faded and tattered and yellowed and uh but you know they made it and they made a commitment that day so you know we do make a difference when we have these types of retreats and things like that so and i know that uh this retreat has been prayed over and i know when i got contacted by denise she said yes we're going to do psalms 103 and i go the whole psalms (laughs) she goes yeah and i thought this is a woman of vision and um (laughs) I'm going to dive into that, try to get as as much done as I can. But God is faithful. 
And uh, I love walking up and seeing this, this rack of scriptures, you know, and seeing all, because that's what I'm going to be sharing the most about is those benefits that uh, he has for us. So let's pray and give this time to him. Father, we thank you so much because you're so faithful. And Lord, that uh, you've, you've given us this beautiful psalms, psalm. And Lord, uh, we thank you for David. And uh, that he was able to write this to us, that we would even be blessed so many years later. And we thank you, Lord. We give this time to you. There's so many things that these women could have been doing this weekend, but they came to spend this time with you. And Lord, I know you're pleased that they're here. And we thank you in Jesus' name. <clears throat> All right. Uh, as they said, my name is Karen Johnson. I've been in the ministry for 40 years. Our church started in 1973. Um, and uh, we were, we started out, uh, Jeff was at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa as a youth pastor for a while, and then we went over to uh, an, a church in our area, Assembly of God Church. He was a youth pastor there for a while. And then we just started out in a park with, with 10 people, and, uh, you know, just meeting people at restaurants and just saying, come on, we're having a Bible study. That was the summertime, and then it got to be winter, and we needed to rent a building, but the building was $150 a month. <laughs> oh, with a $50 deposit. Where would we get such money? And um, the Lord provided a man was walking actually by the building as we were looking at the building. And he goes, what are you doing here? And we told him, and we said, you know, $150, you know. Where would we get that oy vey? And uh, he handed us $200. $150 for the rent and the $50 for the deposit. And that's how we got started in 1973. God was faithful. And now our church is huge. We have a huge church in Downey. And, uh, okay, where's Downey? Okay, okay, here's L.A. and here's Long Beach. And just go in and down. And where they meet, that's Downey. It's about 20 miles south of Los Angeles. So we're right there. And uh, our church is just so multicultural, you would not believe it. It's like the crayon box. <laughs> and we've got blacks and Hispanics. We've got Russian Malacons. We've got the largest Arab fellowship of all the Calvary chapels. We have the largest Hispanic fellowship. <laughs> and um, it takes three... It, for three miles, it takes 25 minutes to get home. And you go, why would you stay there? Downey is one of the most densely populated cities in California. Why do we stay there? Because we're called. Jeff and I wanted to go to Cairo to be missionaries. Cairo came to us. <laughs> and I love our Arabic fellowship because where I work at House of Ruth is right next door to where they meet. And I don't know why it is, but every time they have potlucks, I just accidentally walk in and go, oh, oh, I'm sorry, were you, were you having a potluck? <laughs> oh, they're the best cooks, let me tell you. So anyway, I grew, Jeff and I, my husband and I, we grew up in Downey, and uh, we went to the same schools. My mother taught at the high school where I went to high school, uh, elementary Junior high and high school. My mom taught at the high school. My kids went to the same 
uh, uh, elementary, junior high, and high school that I went to. My grandson went to the high school where I went to high school for a while. Four generations. And many of the people that I went to school with, they stayed in Downey. I don't know why. But it's like a little Mayberry. Uh, except it's different than that. <laughs> Believe me. But we met, Jeff and I met, my husband and I met when we were about, uh, he was, he's older than me, but I was 13 years old. And uh, we went to school together, and he was a surfer. My brother was a surfer. And I lived through the whole Beach Boy thing. Man, let me tell you, those were fun, fun years. I loved that time. And uh, then we kind of got into the whole Beatle thing, and it got a little darker, and the stones and all that. We went from surfer to hippie. Well, that wasn't fun. But uh, we, were, we got married, and then got married very young. My husband got saved. I wasn't going for that, so I went back home and divorced him. Yes. And then I went into nurse's training, and then he started praying for me. Yes, so we went back together. We got remarried, had marriage counseling, and then um, I think I got pregnant with Tara right away. Like 10 months later, we had Tara, and then we started Calvary Chapel Downey a few years after that. So... Wow, I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony tonight as with you as well. But our theme is Psalms 103. King David is the author. Yeah, go ahead and turn there. We're going to be looking through it quite a bit. David wrote the Psalms. And you know as you're reading the Psalms, you can tell exactly what mood he's in when he wrote these Psalms. You know, he wrote uh, the psalm that said, uh, Lord, about his enemies, Lord, just break their teeth in their mouth. Yeah. Have you ever been like that? Yeah, just, oh, I relate to that. Break their teeth in their mouth. But when he wrote Psalms 103, well, he's a little bit older. And you can tell from the style of his writing that he's sort of become a little bit more mature He's more reflective, I guess you could say, in his thinking, and, and, and he's careful now about what he says. You can tell he's, he's slowed way down, and he's thinking now before he speaks. Now, have you ever wondered, when you're in the presence of older people, why they don't talk as much as we do? Well, I used to think it was because they were just old But you know what? They have an opinion. And they're listening to us talk. And I remember as a young pastor's wife, and we would get to get one of the other pastor's wives, her mother lived with with them. Her name was Nana. And Nana had been a pastor's wife. And we'd be, you know, talking about our husbands and the ministry and stuff. And Nana would be just looking at us, shaking her head and smiling. And I'd think, "What's, what's wrong with Nana, man? You know, what's she looking at like that? And I told my other pastor's wife, friend, I said, I think there's something she knows. <laughs> she did. She was listening to us little young pastor's wives chattering, going, oh, they just don't even have a clue what they're talking about. Oh, they're 23 years old. What do they know? And it's true. We didn't know very much back then. Of course, when you're 23, you think you know everything. But she would just smile. But, you know, she would be careful what she said before she would speak. This is David. And, you know, uh, as we do age, we get a little bit like Nana. We stop stressing the small stuff. We start looking at all that we have, like David did in this psalm. And we start to 
Like the old song says, count your blessings. Count your blessings. Have you ever had anybody say, put the good things on one side and the bad things on another? The good things so outweigh the things that we want and the things that we stress about. We st- we, as we get older, we stop complaining. We stop complaining. We, we're less whiny. And, you know, it's not, not uh, complaining so much. You know, our eyes are getting dimmer, but our spiritual eyes are getting stronger. You know, 2020 spiritually. And, uh, you know, David, you can tell from in this psalm, he's, he's aging. He has a clear sense of the frailty of life, obviously. He sees the preciousness of uh, God's pardon in his life. He's, he was a great sinner, you know. He sees God's pardon. He's got a keener sense of sin and how it destroys. Doesn't sin destroy, guys? Oh, all those things we did when we were teenagers, we didn't know what we were doing. You know, they say the first time you do it, you're just a fool. The second time you do it, it's a choice. So we learn. Yeah, I see those nods. I see in your faces like you see in mine, you know, that young girl that I was, the young girl that you were, or maybe you still are. He has such a keener sense. He just wants to praise the Lord. He wants to share with us this awesome gratitude, this grateful gratitude of his God and the mercy and the grace that he has received. Did David receive mercy and grace? Yes. What a guy that receives so much mercy and grace, and he appreciates that. You can tell from this psalm. This is a psalm where David can only share and bless God about how he delivers from evil, how he gives hope, He's full of songs of praise in this psalm. God's greatness, all of his glorious attributes, and not once in this entire psalm do you hear David asking for anything through petition. Everything in this psalm is just praise and worship. All blessings have been poured forth on David and now this overflowing gratitude, now it's bursting forth. All praise and glory comes to God. No prayer requests, only praise. Wouldn't you love to go to a prayer meeting where all you did for the entire two or three hours is just praise the Lord? Just praise the Lord, not asking for anything from God, just, just thanking him for the wondrous things that he's done. Wouldn't you love to go to a prayer meeting like that? Maybe you would host a prayer meeting like that this summer where you just you know, invite a few girls over and say, you know what, we're going to have a prayer meeting, and the only thing we're going to do is thank him for what we have, and we're not going to ask for one single thing. Oh, the Father would just love that. He would love that if we would do that. Maybe some of you will. In 40 years of being in the ministry, I can tell you that you can tell the spiritual maturity of the people that you're with when they start to pray. Because when the first thing that's uttered out of a person's mouth is, Oh God, please give me this. I need this. Oh God, oh God. You can pretty much tell how old that Christian is in the Lord. When you're saying, Oh God, oh God, instead of, Oh God. Same words, but different emphasis. 
crying out to God, just praising him. You know, he, he likes to be told in the morning, good morning, just like we like to be, you know, when our kids wake up, wouldn't he just love it if they said good morning? <laughs> Instead of going, where's my shoes? Get my shoes. Where are they? I want them right now. I want them right now. Get my shoes. You know, parents today, because I do a lot of counseling with teens, parents are afraid of their kids today. See, my parents were not afraid of me. They weren't. But if you hear the conversations that women are on the phone with their kids, this is how a mother is talking to their child. I promise I'll be right home. I'll cook your dinner. Yes, yes, Johnny, I'll be right home. I'll be. Don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. I'm, I'm getting your shoes and I'll, I'll get it all done and I'll, I'll do all this. Don't be mad. I'll be right home. And you think, now see, that, that's the kind of conversations that the teens used to have with their moms. You know, it's in reverse. But now the moms are accountable to the kids. Get home, mom. Make me dinner. And, and parents today are afraid of their kids. I remember one time when I ca- actually came down and started telling my mom, where is this and where is that? And my mom said, Pauline, I don't even want you to speak to her right now. And he said, Karen, this is your mom. And you're going res- to treat her with respect. She is not your slave. You don't tell her what to do. You say, good morning, mom. And how are you today? And then you can ask her for whatever it is that you need. You ask her, you don't demand it. But isn't this how we are sometimes with God? We forget about who we're talking to. We're speaking to the king of the universe. And ladies, sometimes he just wants to hear good morning before we start in on our litany of prayer requests. We need to be careful that we're not demanding help. We shouldn't be saying, oh, God. We should be saying, oh, Father. I grew up in in a home where there was these incredible one-liners. I'm going to be sharing some of them with you. But, you know, sometimes we find ourselves in a little bit of a pickle. And then we run to God and we demand his help. And we do treat God like a slave instead of a king. David gets it here in Psalms 103. There's a great sense of total trust and in the justice of God. I'm going to be talking a lot about the justice of God. Is God fair? Well, sometimes we don't believe that because we're always saying, why, 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 God, why, and then fill in the blank. Why, why, why didn't you stop me? Why didn't you help me? Why didn't you do this? And the the Lord's just saying, I did. I tried to tell you. I did tell you, but you weren't listening I love Joy Dawson's Bible studies, an old, old Bible study in a book she wrote years ago on the fear of the Lord. One of the things that I remember about that Bible study the most is that she talked about the names of God. One of the names of God is justice. And that hit me so hard. God is just. His very name is justice. I love that. We can learn a lot about how we can approach God by just, like I said, listening to our teens. A couple weeks ago, my granddaughter, Leah, 
it was a Saturday morning, and uh, I was over at my daughter's house, Christy, and and Leah woke up and she goes, "Mom, I got to go to Staples right now. We got to go right now. We got to go right now. This project's due on Monday, and we got to get this project due. We got to go to Staples right now." And I'm just looking at my daughter, going, "Okay, this is going to be really interesting." <laughs> she said, "This, Leah, how long have you known about this project?" Two months. She said this, Well, Leah, your procrastination is not my emergency. I went, What did you just say, Christy? What? She said, I just said that, you know, her procrastination is not my emergency. I go, Well, where did you hear that? She goes, I don't know. I go, Well, you've been hearing it from me your whole life. She goes, well, where did you hear it? I go, from my mom and dad my whole life. I couldn't believe I was looking in the mirror of my youth and my, as a child, I mean, raising her, I thought, this is incredible. She really did listen to me. (laughs) But it's the same with God. Guys, our emergency or our procrastination doesn't become God's emergency. You know, sometimes we, you know, we cut our fingers spiritually and, you know, we should put a band-aid on it. But, you know, sometimes we just kind of wipe it off and go, no, you know, I'm going to be able to take care of this. I'll take care of it. You know, I'll wipe it off or whatever. And then maybe it gets a little infected. Then pretty soon you can't move your hand. Pretty soon you got gangrene and blood poisoning coming up your arm and you're wondering why did God allow this and God's saying I I tried to tell you I tried to warn you why why do we procrastinate do you know why we procrastinate because we want our own way we like our own way we think that our way will work because we thought it out we've planned it out We think it feels good to us, and we want our way. We're like babies in a big high chair just pounding on the tray. (laughs) Because we want our way, because we think that this is going to work. And it's completely contrary to God's word. But it's going to work. We cry out to God when it doesn't work, and we say, Why didn't you stop me? Why didn't you help me? My favorite, because of the counseling I do, is those girls that just date those unsaved guys. It's going to work. Yes, it will work. And I always say, listen, you're a lamb, and he's a wolf, and it's never going to work. He's going to rip your throat out. But see, we think that... But I'm just sharing Jesus with them, and I'm just going to tell him about... We're so wide-eyed about it. We're just going to share the Lord with them. And then we get bit by the wolf, and we wonder, why did God allow that? He didn't. It was a choice that we made. I know, because I grew up in a very typical uh, middle-class home in the 60s. Listen, I had such a carefree life. My mother was a drama teacher, and we had a lot of drama in our home. And I don't mean drama. I mean we had real drama. Uh, we were constantly doing things. One of the things my mother loved to do with me is she'd say, 
right now, you're, you're from Texas, you're a Texas oil man, and you just lost your business, now tell me, and I'd have to come up with the accent of a Texas oil man, and, and I mean, she goes, all right, now you're the Queen of England. And I was constantly having to switch, you know, you know, and from Texas to England, and I had to do it right, because, you know, she was a drama teacher. And, but my, my growing up years, and I know a lot of you might have not had this, but for me, it was the most funnest time of my life. I, I mean, it was carefree, summer, beautiful California days, and I was tall, and I was blonde, and I was a surfer, and I was like Fonzie, because I would wake up in the morning and just wash my face and go, yes, <laughs> put on some lipstick and mascara, and I was off to the beach every single day of my life in the summer. I never had a pimple in my life till I was 22 years old, and then I got acne. That was bad. But I had a brother who was a surfer who, was, who loved me. He was my protector, and we lived and breathed beach. That's all we did, and I loved it. My friends back then, we had groups of friends. We didn't stay in like one, one friend. We had groups of friends, groups and groups of friends. And, uh, you know, you talk about California dreaming and wish we all could be California girls. I was that California girl. Was. My, other, my mother's other one-liner is, honey, it all goes south. And it did. And it will. And it's still going. In fact, since I've been up here, it's a couple more inches on the ground. So... But, but one day, my California dreaming changed in a day when a boy that we grew up with who had just graduated from St. John Bosco High School, a Catholic, big Catholic high school, prep school in my area, he was hit on his motorcycle and killed right in front of us. I could not believe this was happening. Right in front of us. And these were just... This was just this was so hard for me to grasp that this boy was killed. But these were the days in the 60s, these were the days of the revolution. Vietnam was in full force. My brother was getting drafted. My mother was having a nervous breakdown. Most of the boys who came back from Vietnam were messed up. Some of them still are. Love-ins were or were turning from the sort of the beach boy scene now. It was the time of the Beatles. They were having love-ins, and the Beatles were telling us were to turn on, tune in, and drop out. Well, after Dave was killed, that's exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to drop out. I could not believe that a God of love would allow this beautiful boy. He wasn't even my boyfriend. I didn't even ever like him. He was just a beautiful boy to me that he died. And that summer of love that we said were love-ins and that, that era of free love, I got pregnant. That little flower child was pregnant. And my world of sunny California dreaming came to a screeching halt. And I remember that year my, my world turned black and white. In addition to the fact that I was pregnant, I had morning sickness like nobody in the world has ever that I've ever known had morning sickness. I had morning sickness morning, noon, and night, and all night. 
It was so bad, I could not believe it. I was sick for nine months. Severe, severe vomiting. My mother said, you're going to uh, put that baby up for adoption. And, you know, maybe you can look back at your life and remember a time, a decision that you made, something that happened to you that you can look back and say, at that moment my life turned. That decision I made, that particular person I married, or whatever it is, my life changed. I was on a road, and when I went down that road, and I didn't go down that road, my life changed forever. It was a choice that you make. Everything changed. And you know, I know you gals are like me, Late at night, when these memories come back, the movie starts, right? You know about the movie? You know about the movie? Yeah. The memory movie? Yeah. And we play that movie over and over and over again, and then we get to that spot, and we always do it again. We always make that bad choice, and we replay that movie over and over again. My mom sent me away to an unwed mother's home. I had never been away from home before. I remember she took me there and she dropped me off. There were 50 girls in that home, 50 girls just waiting to have their babies so they could go back home. Four months later, I gave birth to this beautiful, blonde, blue-eyed baby girl. I never thought anything could ever be so beautiful as that little baby and I named her Nadley Elise. Nadley because it means the gift of Christmas. And Elise because that was my middle name. And she was born around Christmas time. And oh, she was the gift of Christmas. But not mine, not my gift. And she was placed for adoption. And the agency told me, don't you ever even think about looking for her. You go back to high school and you pretend like this never happened. So I bought the lie. I went back to school believing that I could forget about Natalie and move on. My boyfriend was drafted, went to Vietnam, later listed as MIA. You know what that is? Missing in action. But I never forgot about that little blonde, blue-eyed sweetie pie. I I prayed over her. I gave her birthday cards every year, and I wrote them out, and I put them in my hope chest and put a little ribbon around them. Every year, I made her a birthday cake. Nobody knew about this. My, my mom and dad were the only ones that knew. When I got married, my husband and my kids didn't know about Natalie. But every year on her birthday, I would make her a cake, and because they would say, whose cake is this, I, I will have to eat it all. <laughs> so every year, I ate her cake. But... But I tried so hard to get over her. I remember when I was younger, I went to a, see a, a hypnotist show. You know, it was, it was an entertainment sort of hypnotist show. But I got this idea in my mind. I wonder if I could go up after the show and ask him if, if he would hypnotize me to make me forget her. So I, didn't, so I wouldn't have to deal with this pain all the time. I just wanted to go up and say, please... Please hypnotize me and make me forget about this so I don't have to relive this all the time. 
I tried so hard. My black and white world now was turning green and gray. This little hippie girl who believed in free love, I only really had one love, but it wasn't free. Love isn't free. Satan lied to me and told me that it was free, but I had to pay dearly. I had to pay with my baby. I had to lay her on that altar of free love and walk away from her. Satan lied to me, and I bought the lie. Many of you know this lie. Many of you were pregnant, made decisions that maybe you regret today. You bought into the lie. But this retreat, we're going to deal with some of these issues, these issues that women have, the lies that we believe or believed or we still believe. It doesn't matter how old you are. The oldest lady in here could tell you stories and tell the pain that's in her heart. And you know what? She would cry just like she was back when she was 13 or 14 or 15 when it happened. That pain stays if we don't deal with it. Would you not agree with me that the older you get, the more your mind thinks differently about things? Sure, we would all say that. That's part of maturing. That's why David wrote Psalms 103. Because he's looking back now and he sees his life so differently. And what are the most important priorities of his life? God and his relationship with God. And all the benefits and everything that God has allowed him to experience and to go through. Remember, he's an older king now. He's looking back. He's remembering that he was a little shepherd boy, killed a giant. All that stuff that he went through with Jonathan and Saul, all that craziness. But he brought the tribes together as a united nation. He was a powerful warrior. He was a cutting, cunning diplomat, for sure, talented musician. A true philosopher, the way he wrote the Psalms is beautiful. But he also committed adultery. He lusted after a married woman. He committed adultery, and then he murdered her husband. And then he lost many of his children. But all through the Psalms, David, you can tell the major theme running through all the Psalms is his whole life he had trial and utter turmoil. Anybody can relate to that? Some turmoil? Sure we can. Maybe we're a little bit like David. Maybe you're a little bit like David. Smart, talented, gifted. But maybe you're a smarty pants. Maybe you make early decisions. Hey, I'm with you. I've done it too. Yet, God said, David... You're a man after my own heart. What? That doesn't seem right. You murdered this man. You set up a murder. You commit adultery. You have this child. It's crazy. God, you say that David is a man after your own heart? Yes, because David's internal compass was always true north. Always toward God. Listen, what David did wasn't who he was. See, what we do, guys, unless we're practicing sin, unless you're really practicing sin, 
We are not what we do. See, that's the lie that Satan keeps throwing up in our face. You are what you do, what you did, what you did long ago and never dealt with. That's who you really are at your core value, and it's a lie. Ladies, when we read Psalms 103, we will come to see that we will never be satisfied to find things that will give us happiness. Because happiness is not based on, on external circumstances. If you've been a Christian, you've heard this in your entire life and still don't buy it. Happiness is not based on external circumstances. Because some of you right now that are single, you want a husband so bad, that's the thing that's going to make you the most happy. But there's people in here right now that are saying, I don't even want my husband. I want a different husband. And some of you are crying your eyes out because you want to have a child. But there's people in here that are saying, take mine. Please, take mine. We're just never going to be happy. If you could just have that new job, if you could just have that new furniture, you just got to have it. You just got to have a facelift. <laughs> now they call them lifestyle lifts. And let me tell you, I had a friend that had one, and she doesn't look too lifestyle that I want. But we're always wanting lifts and that. You know, and if we could just have that. But see, if you do it, don't you understand what Satan does? Then he ups the ante. And then you go, oh, they didn't get that little thing, and now I got to go back. And uh, uh." I actually had a friend that had a facelift that it was so. I, I, I was, I was at a birthday party, and I go, what? This girl was a beautiful-looking, I won't say what, she was an ethnic-looking girl, beautiful. And I go, what, what, what happened? And she goes, I had a facelift. I go, how much was that? I could not believe she paid $20,000 for that. I mean, it was like the Joker from the 60s on Batman. I go, is that going to relax a little bit? I mean, it was striking when she walked into the party. It was like, huh? It was shocking. Well, now that's got to be fixed because these little cherry tomatoes that they put in her cheeks, one fill. I don't know. We're just never happy. But David in Psalms 103 teaches us to drive toward a place of deeper understanding of really, do you understand how beautiful you guys, how beautiful we're going to be for eternity? Do you understand how gorgeous you want to look? That's how you're going to look for eons and eons and eons and eons. Let's relax for this little hundred years or or less that we have here. Guys, please. I mean, we're, we're we're going to have it all, so why don't we, we don't have to starve ourselves. We don't have to do this. But 
it's the enemy saying, we've got to do it. Listen, I had a girlfriend. I don't want to go off too much on weight, but I had a girlfriend. This girl was beautiful. She was a beautiful girl, but she probably weighed about 100 pounds, and she had deep marital problems, and she goes, if I could just lose a little bit more weight, my husband would love me. I said, Gina, really? My gosh, I could blow on you and you'd fall over. <laughs> but she bought into the lie. She just kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it until she finally just said, I can't do this anymore. Thank you. Thank you, Gina. Maybe now God can speak to you. It was ridiculous. One more pound and my husband will like me. But she believed the lie. Some of you guys are believing that same lie. We have to develop trust and hope in God that extends beyond this external stuff. I don't care how beautiful. I could have a lifestyle lift and you go, you look really good for your age. (laughs) Is that what I really want to hear? You look good for your age? No, if I get a lifestyle lift, I want something that's going to be great. But they're not out there. It's not going to happen. Listen, this is deep stuff, guys. This Psalms 103. This is deep stuff. And we're going to read it in a minute. And David has learned the difference between joy and happiness. Because, see, some of you are going to be reading this psalm when we read it. And you go, I don't feel that way about God. I don't feel that way about God. Well, we can. But we have to get to know him on a little bit of a different level. So this weekend is a, is a weekend where we're going, to, we're going to take a step up. We don't have to make massive changes, guys, if you don't want to. But are you willing just to take one step up? I want to step up. Anybody want to step up? Yeah, let's just take a step up. And God goes, wow, look at all these steps in here. This would be glorious if we just change one thing. Happiness is fleeting. We know this. We've heard this. It's a state of emotion. It depends on circumstances. But see, joy depends on doing. Joy is a long-term process. And it's dependent upon being and doing and believing. David, in all of his seasons of life and suffering, chaos and confusion that he went to, ultimately brought him a deeper and a more profound joy in Christ and peace. I don't know about you, but that's, that means more to me than anything Joy, peace, that when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, you just go, wow, I have peace. I have joy and peace with God. All is right because I'm right with God. That's true joy and peace. David had to look through the eyes of truth. Not his truth, not my truth, not your truth. We all have some sort of truth that we believe in. But we've got to believe in God's truth. And then this lie that you have in your hand, you've got to take the truth and go, I'm going to cover that lie with the truth. I'm going to take that lie, that thing that's been tormenting me, and I'm going to replace it with the truth. We have to do it. Father, we come to you right now knowing that you are pleased that we are here. We are your handmaidens. And I know for them and for myself that, Lord, you want to do a deep work in our hearts. Will you right now, Father, enlarge our hearts? Enlarge that place 
that we too can say as David, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Now, while you're still praying, I'm going to just ask a question. I'm going to ask it a little bit in the reverse because I like to do things a little different. Just everybody close your eyes, nobody looking around. How many in here that came to this retreat came with not a care in the world, everything is right with you, God and country and your kids and everything. There's just not one single thing in your life that you want changed. I want that person to raise their hand. Smart group. Well, there was a couple. I don't know. That means you have no issue in your life at all that you want God to change. Everything is so perfect in your life that you want God not to take you to a deeper place. You have not one issue in your life. Well, now I want you to open your eyes and I want you to open your Bibles to Psalms 103. And I want you to stand up and we're going to read this Psalms together. And don't worry about the emotion of it, ladies. You, you might not be there. You might not be able to read this and say, I really feel this way. But we're going to read it in faith that this is the place that God is going to take us to. Let's read it together. Now, there's going to be different versions. It's okay. We'll just try to get, th- we'll try to get through it. All right. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all those who are oppressed. He's made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For the heavens of the earth, so great is his mercy to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he knows that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it and is gone, and its place is remembered no more. But the mercy of God is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne and yet his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, and all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord.
my soul. All right. You believe it? Yes. All right. Father, we thank you again. We ask now that you would go before us and as these words, these word, this is the word of God, as we have spoken it, Lord, make it true in our hearts. Lord, like we prayed, enlarge the place of our hearts that, Lord, we can enter in and really praise you. This weekend, as we worship, as we sing these songs of praise, Lord, just stir our hearts and our spirit that we could say, I really mean this with my whole heart. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.